This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're now listening to Resource Centre. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Last week, MDEC, the Malaysia Digital Economic Corporation, launched the Horizon Digital Economy Publication 2022. During the launch, BFM's Morning Run presenter, Philip C., moderated a panel discussion exploring the purpose of this publication, how Malaysia's digital economy compares regionally, the role of the private sector in driving the digital economy, and what Malaysia's digital future looks like. Philip had this discussion with Mahathir Aziz, CEO of MDEC, Simita Kuriakos, Senior Economist at the World Bank Group, and Eric Chang, founder and CEO of Malaysia's first unicorn, Kasim. Philip started the conversation by asking Mahade for some context around the intent and purpose of the Horizon Digital Economy publication and what triggered the need to embark on this project. Thanks. Uh, good question And that. Uh, it is not meant to be a project. Uh, I think the whole idea for this is that coming into MDEC a couple of years ago, um, I was put on a spot as well. Uh, I think there were questions coming from the industry, the media as well. How come MDAC has not produced any impact report or that annual impact report that should have been out? Um, I feel that uh, an impact report, while it is good on certain aspects through programs that we have done, but uh, Malaysia needs uh, a proper uh, assessment and also information in the state of the digital economy as we transition towards that. The change of the name of MDAC from Multimedia Development Corporation to uh, Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation basically reflects a shift in terms of focus and also how we do certain things. So I feel that uh, a report uh, of this magnitude and also volume and the kind of information is to not only so much about telling the public about what we have done, but rather to give them a sense of reality that digital economy as a state and as uh, an aspiration for the whole of Malaysia should be encompassing other areas that we may not have thought before. Uh, and we also took the opportunity to have this Horizon Report today as uh, a celebration uh, of uh, our one-year anniversary of Malaysia Digital Initiative that was launched in, uh, on 4th of July of 2022 as well. So again, there are many aspects uh, of this uh, for us to be able to communicate what Malaysia has and what it is. It aspires to do through MDEC. And as you said, right, this is not going to be a project, not a one-off endeavour. You really intend to put a structured process to always give a as current a snapshot of Malaysia's digital economy every year, isn't it? I think that's one of the biggest uh, goals and intentions, right? To give an accurate, transparent account of what Malaysia's digital economy is. I just wonder, though, like, when you were in the room with the working team, what... Where do you start, right, when you want to start developing this kind of insights? Because it's so broad, it's so comprehensive, there's so much data in it. Where do you start the process, really? Um, I think it's quite straightforward. I come from a, a very much a consulting advisory ecosystem. So there's always that reference that you want to be able to look at. And the challenge for anybody as a a consultant like me before was to look at the situation and what sort of a, a Malaysian reference you you will almost almost always would have something of a Western reference as a global uh, European markets as well and as they move and shift through Asia they stop at ASEAN level 
And if anything, Malaysia would have one paragraph when I think uh, it requires more than just that. We have done so much uh, to look at this and I think that's how we started. Let's have a reference for the Malaysian ecosystem to go and look at. And not just for the Malaysian ecosystem, but for global organization. If I were to look into Malaysia and at Malaysia, from what I've heard, whatever uh, interactions that I would have with Malaysia is just limited to the people that I've met. So we want a document to actually use. I think that's very interesting, right? You want to institutionalize it. And I fully empathize with you. I used to be a consultant. And so when you have to speak to you know, clients and you have to create these PowerPoint slides about what the snapshot is about Malaysia's economy, you have to find all this data and you have to, you know, in this small font, the appendices, to reference all your sources, right? And that's one of the biggest challenges in this part of the world. There are no accurate references and it's all word of mouth, you know? And Smita, just bring you into the conversation. How do you contrast this effort here versus what you see in the rest of the region? Thanks a lot. I think this is a Herculean effort. And as Mahathir very nightly put it, it is the first time it's actually been put on paper. Malaysia has done so much. And uh, there's really no one place where we can find all this information. So what it nicely puts uh, is a nice kind of landscape of the digital economy, but not uh, overly... Uh, congratulating itself, being very, very modest in what it's achieved, being very honest about what the constraints are, and being very clear about where Malaysia wants to be and what are some of the key ingredients, whether it is early stage capital, whether it is talent, and these are things not to lose sight of. So not to be only looking at the short term, but to have your eye on the ball for the medium to long term. So that's what I really liked about this publication and how it actually doesn't have like big numbers or big slogans, but it has a clear uh, lay of the land of what is required if Malaysia was to achieve its aspirations to be a high income, to make sure that it's private sector led and also make sure that digital becomes a key driver. Now, a few years later, I don't think we are going to have this concept of digital. Everything is going to be the economy and everything is going to be digitalized. So that's another challenge that Malaysia and other countries are facing. How do you measure? And then how do you measure the impact of all this digitalization? So all of this has been very nicely articulated in this document, but I think if it's something that's going to be regularly updated, it'll be a very key kind of, uh, you know, document for the private sector, for organizations such as ours, uh, and also for the region. I feel this is something that can easily be a benchmark for other countries in the region uh, to be able to emulate and then also be able to compare vis-a-vis uh, -vis each other, because right now there isn't one. This is, I think, the central challenge about defining the landscape. And as you rightly put right, this document is relevant for today. It definitely has to evolve incredibly in the next three to four years. I mean, if you look at the data, you know, they say the digital economy accounts for 25% of Malaysia's economy, but I'm sure that number will go to the point where the digital economy equals the economy. How do we basically define the digital economy? Where do you start? I think that's one of the biggest headaches, you know, when you try and articulate that, isn't it? It is drawing the boundaries of what digital is when eventually it becomes so pervasive everywhere. 
Yeah, and it's going to be, I mean, it is not an easy task. Nobody has really perfected it. And in fact, globally, we don't have a globally recognized definition. So that's where MDEC working very closely with DOSM is becoming a key, you know, criteria for this. How do you actually measure the digital economy? How do you robustly actually make sure that this is something that you can stand behind these numbers? And that can only happen if you have the statistics agency you know, partnering with you, which is the case in this case. So this is why, and it will be a definition which will keep on evolving. So it again won't be static. And I think then, if I listen to you and, you know, just connecting the dots with Eric, and just early on we were having a prep session, and you were talking about the need to build and acquire talent, and it's so fluid, isn't it, how you think about talent acquisition in your company, which we perhaps define it as digital economy. But when you look at this publication, right, what stands out for you? What is valuable as a resource point when you see this publication, Eric? Sure, yeah, well... <laughs> So I think this is all about creating awareness. Um, and I think awareness is much needed, right? So awareness on the point where how vibrant it is of the digital economy in Malaysia. Um, and I think for the longest time, most of the people in this room know that, you know, we are part of the driving force when it comes to the economy in Malaysia. And there have been companies like uh, like Carsum, um, and beyond Carsum, there's like Aerodyne and a couple more that are doing things that is great, not just um, for the country, but at the same time representing Malaysia and go beyond um, to other markets, be it ASEAN, Asia, or the global markets. So one thing it, it have, you know, help us to achieve in a sense where is the awareness is meant for uh, foreign investors um, and foreign counterparts, like business partners that has the interest in looking into Malaysia and, and you know, know where to look at because now you have some reference point to, to, to see where the market is, how's the tenant looking like, um, what are the companies that you could partner up to really jumpstart your business in Malaysia. I think that's one. But the awareness is not just limited to, to foreign investors or foreign partners, but also locally for everyone that's in Malaysia, uh, the government, Malaysians, the private sectors. And you know, the truth is sometimes you see uh, foreign investors has a stronger awareness of where Malaysia tech companies, digital economy is, rather than the local partners. So why is that though? Why do you feel that there's a better interconnected network among foreign investors versus your local home? Yeah, I, I guess one point maybe being that um, when you look beyond Malaysia, there's, like you're looking at beyond basically the world itself. And you have multiple counterparts where uh, they see Malaysia as a good market for them to you know, kickstart the business um, um, and can be a, a, a jumping pad for going to ASEAN right in the region. Um, and I think with that, you have a very strong motivation why they want to be in Malaysia and they're looking. Um, where locally, when you think about that, right, that could be also because everyone is busy with different things and all. So this might not be the most sexy economy that everyone think Malaysia actually have a very strong uh, um, uh, companies that are doing something meaningful, which I think this publication helps to really draw out the landscape, the partners, everyone that's involved. It, it helps create awareness, right? So then we are all talking and drawing the same reference point. And the, those data points make a lot of sense because now you come from a very credible source rather than, you know, some footnotes from somewhere back in 2021 or, you know, even 2018 sometimes, right? 
Yeah. yeah. And I think this is where, again, it comes back to the publication, the design of the audience, right? Who really is the audience of this publication? And I wonder for you particularly, when you started, you know, as a startup eight years ago, I'm sure you would have looked at this publication very differently from where you look at it now, right? So, you know, if you were able to go back in time, what insights were relevant to you then and also what insights are relevant to you now? Well, I think where it was, you know, back in the days when we first started the business, um, one of the key points would be where to look at when it comes to talent recruitment, where to look at, uh, um, you know, investors that would be able to help kickstart the business at the very beginning. Because we came with the idea to start a company and it's something that is not, you know, proven in the market. So we need all the help we can to, you know, make this business go past the first few milestones, right? So, and I think you, you want the report to be meaningful in a sense where I know who to talk to um, and, you know, where to look at and what kind of venue I should be in in terms of having these dialogues, these conversations. Whereas, you know, where Krasam is today, I think it's a little bit more macro uh, in a sense where, you know, as part of the, 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 the contributor to the digital economy, uh, where else that we can contribute, how can we cultivate that talent force so that, you know, uh, we could attract not just uh, foreign talent, but also being able to um, um, upskill the local talents um, and, and how to work better with MDAC, with everyone that is in the industry, right, to, to make this work and fast-track it. I think that's something that we need the most right now as a company when it comes to trying to grow this business further. If you look at the structure of the publication, it's got four sections, of course. Uh, the first three sections really breaks it to the key stakeholders. You have the businesses, you have the investors, you have civil society. And at the last part, is really a plethora of table charts, pie charts, graphs, right? And I have to say, I was very much overwhelmed, but the data was so fascinating. And you know, Mahaze, for you, which data point in the publication were you kind of surprised or taken aback when the publication came about? Well, okay. Maybe a lot of us, especially in MDEC, we are somewhat closer to the ground and the ecosystem as well. So a lot of it was, um, let me just flip that a bit, is it, it didn't come as a surprise to us, but rather we, f we felt that this is the time and the opportunity for us to let others know what we know. So it becomes no more of an unknown to the industry as we move towards this. Uh, one aspect that we need to pay more attention, and it goes back to the existen existential question of MDEC, was to look at the increase in salary. Uh, as far as moving from uh, uh, very much conventional, which is agri-based and manufacturing-based economy towards the knowledge-based economy and now today called the digital economy, we need to see how the white collars and the blue collars likewise have been improved or augmented because of this intervention done by the government. So this is the fact that we want to be able to show them there are some highly regulated industries and there are less regulated industries where there's a lot more whipping, if you may, that needs to happen in order for them to actually adopt and adapt technology into their business. If anything, if I can just also use a different thing, the conversation of this digital economy started very much 25 years ago on digital first. 
and then think about the economy on the other side. But today, I think the conversation, the discussion should be more about the economy where digital is enabling that. So hence, your idea of, you know, five years from now, we'll be talking about just the economy and not digital anymore. So that's, that's how we see it. And you, you, you bring up this insight in the publication about the digital skills and the salary benchmarking, which in my view was very insightful. And you contrast Malaysia versus, you know, uh, countries in the region and also globally, right? I mean, when you look at the data and how you slice and dice it, at really a very granular level, right, across multiple levels, right? What's the key message? What's the key message you want to convey to stakeholders that need the whipping done? Uh, I think part of it is uh, very much about um, uh, certain investments that would have to go into certain verticals that we spoke about uh, earlier. There's one thing about having an aspiration. For example, if I, I can use this, Islamic digital economy. And this is one topic that is very, very big and very, very wide. Other countries, especially from the Middle East, and based on the interactions that we've had, and I personally have had with them, was very much as a very mature and advanced ecosystem on Islamic, whether it's just economy or financial services or even lifestyles. How come we are not exporting this? And that was the question coming from the industry and the globe. The other hand is that we have not put enough emphasis beyond financial services on Islam, Islamic economy. So the data that you will see in the report will be telling you a bit more should be put in there, a bit more help and nudges that we should help and through some agencies that we already have, MDEC is definitely one of them, but there are other agencies that is related to that particular uh, sector that can look not only at digitalization but expanding the scope. When we talk about Islamic, it doesn't necessarily stop into you know, the Sharia compliant banking or financial services. But what about lifestyles? What about uh, other aspects? For example, the welfare uh, that we need to be able to look at. So again, it's about shining certain spotlights. Back to the data just now, shining certain spotlights into certain industries that may have been neglected, if I may say so. So the insights show the gaps. You try to provoke, you try to nudge. You know, And Smita, when you talk about nudging, you can't nudge too heavily, isn't it? That's a whole delicate balance between what the role of government is versus what private sector actually has to do by their own accord, right? So where do you find that delicate balance between catalyzing, nudging versus being full-scale, getting it done by government full-time in the specific sector itself? So certainly getting it done by the government is not what Malaysia is headed towards. I think... Uh, there is recognition that the government has done a lot. But what is more important is that, that, that there's recognition that there is a lot happening. There needs to be a more coordinated approach because the private sector doesn't have the time to figure out which of the 200 plus ministries should they be running to, to get the grant or to get help. So this uh, having a document such that lays out the landscape, as Eric mentioned, that gives a good snapshot for domestic investors as well as foreign investors, but also the private sector. That's a really big achievement. So the next thing would be to say, where is, where is the gap that the private sector is not being able to fill and the government needs to come in? Because the rest the private sector will do and is doing. So 
if, and there is, there is a role for government in terms of talent. And it's, it's not just we're importing expatriate talent, but it's about making sure your schools, your education institutions are actually equipped with providing talent to the private sector. And that's, that will increase salaries. So there's a vicious circle, cycle here. So uh, it is a well-known fact that Malaysian salaries are not at par with regional or global peers. But to see this in a black and white document was for me very insightful. So I think that was something that was very, that was a key takeaway for me. But that also then brings up the fact that there is an issue of talent and how do you make sure we don't just focus on the short term, but don't forget that we need to really focus on early child, right from early childhood, to making sure that, that talent is agile, talent has the cognitive skills that is now required for the digital economy. And this is, I think, so critical if you think about what the role of MDEC is and, you know, government as a whole in driving the digital economy. You talk about the supply side a lot, right? And, you know, just now I was speaking into your session just now and you framed the government's role across the dimensions of supply side, creating a bit of demand, but also critically creating the ecosystem, right, that helps everybody thrive. You know, Eric, for you, presumably it was very lonely at the start of your journey, but... Presumably now the ecosystem is relatively mature. How difficult do you think it is to start up or to actually build a successful startup in Malaysia versus what it was like in your time eight years ago? Sure, yeah. So, um, I, you know, we started in 2015. So if you think back 2015, right, um, I think MDEC was just also in the early years of switching from you know, previously focused more on animations to now digital economy. Um, and I think that switch was very uh, sort of a pivoting moment where it, it helps to also create more, um, uh, you know, attention and needs uh, on area of needs when it comes to starting a company like Carson, uh, or relatively in a tech category, right? So, um, so obviously, I think things have you know gone on to evolve quite a bit from the early days to where we are now. Um, like in the beginning, what it would, where it would be helpful is connecting to the right people um, and trying to help us to build a business and find the right partners, including finding the right talents as well. Um, and I think this, the talent, talent topic is always very key to us because um, joining Carsum, some people would describe that one day, well, sorry, one year is like 10 years in the company. Uh, so yeah, it's a fast aging process for everyone in, in our company. Um, so you, what you realize is it's a very brutal process, right? Where if you think about eight years ago when we first started the business, probably not many people has gone through that kind of uh, um, growth journey in a company uh, before Carson. Whereas where we are now today, there are you know, pockets of talent where we can draw from, say, uh, uh, Grab, you know, C Group, uh, and the likes of it, right? So, and I think that, that difference come at a point where, where we could now cultivate that community to also us, Carson, contributing as part of the talent uh, that could also drive digital economy as a whole, be it in Carson, be it with other tech companies, or be it new company who are starting up. Um, and this community helps because then you have people who are engaging with each other as compared to before when things are just kind of starting up um, from maybe a group of 10, 15, a dozen people now to now you have like hundreds, thousands of workforce where 
very ready to you know kickstart the next idea to find a product market fit and eventually become multi-million company or even billion company. I was honestly very struck when you said one year in a human life is equivalent to 10 years working in a custom. And I, I, can I just say you haven't aged that much, so don't worry about that. I, I do think, though, when you make that very poignant uh, intersection, I wonder when we, we as an ecosystem and we as a country and government, right, do planning, these five-year blueprints, do they really make a difference? I mean, when you make it too rigid, right? Because you are kind of operating at warp speed fundamentally, right? So you do need that five-year roadmap. How do you reconcile, you know, when you have, you know, private sector entrants who are thinking two months, three months, four months ahead, but you also need to think about the next two years, three years, five years, because there's going to be some work need to be done. So I guess you have a very tough job, say, in finding that really challenge, right, in meeting the evolving, dynamic, fast-moving needs versus also laying out that vision. Yes, I think uh, generally it's, it's, it's good and it's almost always um, a good start for you to have uh, some sort of a roadmap or a plan on where you want to go and what you aim to achieve. But what is um, actually very important here is to be able to have a much more recent and more frequent, um, I think, assessment of the current state and also assessment of where you stand and whether you are, you are on track or not. Uh, and I think this is the part where, um, from a government uh, point of view, it is a massive effort. Today, this year, we are looking at two, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, exercises. One is to look at the Malaysia Digital Economy Blueprint for a review of the targets. The other is the midterm review of the RMK-12 uh, at the same time. So they should go hand in hand with respect to where we stand with this. But what should be coming is that more industry engagements as we start to look at this. One of the things that we actually would be able to see from the report was that the increase and the growth of the ICT uh, what do you call that? Uh, market share and very much on the gross value added or GVA. And this would be one of the biggest numbers that you will see as we de-industrialize our economy and look at more leveraging on the ICT manufacturing or even e-commerce. And this would be the two kind of numbers, your 10-pole numbers that you can look at. So while we have that as a background, how often do we want to be able to engage the industry and say that this is what you need now? So the formulas that you had while you were drafting the original blueprint may not be as applicable as it was before. So I think this is the work of agencies like us and to also work with, uh, what do you call that, um, global organizations uh, uh, to look at whether we stand or we stand to be corrected because of the developments of the economy. And this feedback will be coming more so from the private sector as they get more and more involved in this market-led economy. And just building on this point, I mean, the time is now. I mean, we are now in July. Budget 2024 is going to be tabled in three, four months. You're talking about RMK 12 media review. We are planning for RMK 13 next year already. You know, this is the time when you actually start engaging private sector on what they need, right, to move forward. In your conversation so far, what are two or three things top of their mind that they are saying, government, please get involved? 
I think the coherent uh, on uh, coherence on policies. So when you have one ministry saying that you want to do this, the other ministry should be able to go on this, you know, aspect that supports that rather than to counter what has been done on the other side. And this is the conversation that we are having. It's just synchronizing and harmonizing the efforts of, uh, of the government and living up to this whole of government approach. MITI is looking at something like this. KKD should be able to support that. And the whole Ministry of Economy should be looking at this kind of, have, uh, this kind of interventions having an impact into the economy, whether it's changing the equation for a bit or even uh, improving on the things that we uh, have done so far. So from, say, MOF point of view, one thing or, or at least formula that we used to do was to look at a number of things, whether we have enough allocation for that particular intervention, whether we are channeling it to the right person and or organization and community, and the other, whether the method of uh, uh, allocating and dispersing that is correct or not. So those three would be a basis of how we look at s some of these interventions that we're doing. And those interventions really makes, requires us to get the whole of government working extremely well. And Smita, I'm sure you know, we talk among ourselves and yeah, there are challenges in Malaysia of these overlaps, but this is not a uniquely Malaysia problem, isn't it? There are countries all around the world that struggle with overlaps because as we were already saying, the, def the distinctions of digital economy and economy are overlapping so much. What are the best ways for us to really deliver whole of government very effectively and cost efficiently then? So uh, last year we did this report where we looked at uh, digitalization, the landscape, and just during COVID there were close to 170 programs just on SME digitalization. So one of the main uh, kind of recommendations that came out of that report was to have a one-stop center for SME digitalization. And the efforts that, uh, S uh, that MDEC is actually now launching on the SME roadmap is to look at how do you consolidate all these programs under one place and one in this one-stop shop actually should enable an entrepreneur or an SME to actually go to this one place to be able to say which is the program that is best suited for me. So the fact that there is recognition is a big step. The fact that there's already this kind of uh, lay of the land where you see all these different programs and how do you actually make sure that there is a little more coordination? Uh, it's, it's a huge effort, but it needs to be done. Because without that, you are actually losing precious resources by dispersing very small sums across many programs, and you're not actually getting your impact. So to, in order to be able to get that impact, this consolidation is important. And another thing, which is the heart of the issue is how do you actually measure your KPIs? So is it just about disbursement? No, it should not be. Is there a way to say, how do I have a KPI when I actually collaborate with another agency? Or take on an entrepreneur from one point to another and I work together with another agency? That would be real impact and that would really benefit the private sector. I want to just bringing you in, Eric. You, you, you started in Malaysia. Your expansion plans cover Indonesia, Thailand. Do you see this challenge in other parts of the world about really getting that coordinated approach? Um, certainly there are some countries where 
you know, you, you see much more coordinated effort, I'm sure, right? So I think rather than just comparing like which country is doing the best, you know, I, I'm looking at a, a point where, you know, where Malaysia could, could um, have that coordinated effort in, you know, creating an environment so that companies like Carson, um could benefit from having uh, a single directions, clear cut and know who to reach out and how to work with, especially um, to, you know, in turn, not just be one win-lose situations, but a win-win situations that at the same time, when we're able to build a company that can last and can be a regional champion, um, we also see this is, you know, proud to be coming from Malaysia. And just focusing on the publication, page 36 is where they profile Qasem, right, as a trendsetter. I mean, when you see an excerpt about your company in, you know, a national economic publication, right, what, what's the emotion, what's the thinking, right, when you see something like this? Very proud, of course, and, and thanks for featuring us. I think it's a big endorsement towards the, the thing we do. Um, and I think not just our company, right? I think Malaysia digital economy would need that a lot more, given that um, if you look across the shore to like other neighboring countries, um, they always try to market their uh, companies that start the in locations, mm -hmm. right? Homegrown or not, but big companies. So to some extent, I think we are a little bit shy uh, in nature, where we don't really talk too much about our success, what we have done well in Malaysia, um, and I think these publications serve as that, 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 that genesis, right? That we could actually shout and do a lot more of those marketing awareness building because that branding helps in creating, creating confidence that, you know, this is a market that has, has the talent to make things happen, um, has an envi environment to, to create a company, not just, you know, in one single market, but multiple markets. And I think these are the things that people should recognize and should start with us doing a bit more of this. Mahase, building on that, do you think Malaysia really underplays its strengths? Do you think we under-communicate all the opportunities, the great things we're doing here? Do you think that's one of the biggest challenges we have? Like, we have great things happening here, but we're just not communicating it out. We're not sharing the success with everybody. Uh, if I can be as critical within this platform, yes. I think um, that's a resounding yes, actually, on that. Having from, uh, or rather coming from the experience that I've had selling Malaysia overseas and things like that, and you hear your counterparts sharing what they have as far as the ecosystem, whether it's the support coming from the government, whether it's the supply of talents, whether the regulations and things like that. We have all that. In fact, we have a lot more than this. So communication could be key. It could be an Asian thing. So you're not the only shy organization. It could be a shy country. So uh, I think the work is up to the ministries. The work is up to the agencies and through indirect references. And again, like I said, points where we can highlight what we have achieved and things like that. So we communicate through documents like the report today. We communicate through the successes of the companies that we have built from the ecosystem, and we hope that will tell the other side of the story rather than just patting ourselves on the back. All right, we're going to conclude the conversation now, and because I think the minister has arrived, but let me just close by asking each of you if there was one thing that you felt was critical for Malaysia to accelerate its digital economy, what should it be? 
Um, I think uh, I'll go back to the whole of government approach. Uh, all would have to be uh, consistent across the government. There's also aspect of more private investments that would have to come and not depend total dependency on the government. There's only so much that we can do. So again, let's bring the private sector, whether they are investors or even homegrown large companies, the GLCs and things like that, to be able to play their part to grow this ecosystem together with the rest. One thing, it'll be skills. And not to lose sight when you're looking at the short term, but also look at the medium to long term, because if you have the right skills, you'll be able to attract your investments and grow the economy. Yeah, so basically everything I just said. <laughs> um, but yeah, as again, I think having that, that exposure helps. I think talk a lot more about the digital economy, the companies that are involved, the, every parties that's involved, um, and have that one voice, right, that represent this, you know, move it to be that national agenda that this is going to be something really big. So whole of government, skill development, exposure, and also one voice. And that's a wrap for both the panel session and today's episode of Resource Centre. That was BFM Morning Run presenter Philip C moderating a conversation around Malaysia's digital economy with Mahathir Aziz, CEO of MDEC, the Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation, Smita Kuriyako, Senior Economist at the World Bank Group, as well as Eric Cheng, founder and CEO of Kasim. I'm Roshan Kanison. This has been Resource Centre. Up ahead, we've got Enterprise BizBytes happening after the 12pm news bulletin, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business. Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.